stretch. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He's gone. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawks win. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Cloudgate Sports. It's been a fat minute, but we're ready to go. We all know spring training's right around the corner. Everybody's pumped. Everybody's excited. We're going to talk about uh, what happened in the offseason, what we didn't talk about in our past episodes, and of course, we're going to talk about the roster outlook for this upcoming season, especially because we got one more person added with the 26-man roster now. So there's going to be some interesting discussions on uh what that's going to be for either team this year. So we're going to start out with the Cubbies. Jack, you take it away, buddy. What's up, guys? First of all, I just want to say good to be back. Nice long break, but I'm oh. happy to get rolling right around baseball season. All right, so the Cubs offseason. Well, it really wasn't a good offseason for the Cubs. Didn't really do much. Um, a lot of under-the-radar moves, I feel like, that were made. Um, in our podcast that we did a couple months back where we were breaking down... I want to say it was December 11th. It was a while ago. I, there were three things. I don't know if you guys remember. Three things that I said the Cubs needed to do this offseason. Or three things of the team that they needed needed to address. My number one was the bullpen. My number two was the leadoff hitter situation. And my number three key was their hitting and their pitching. Three and four, kind of. And quite frankly, they didn't do anything to improve any of those areas. I really do not like the moves that they made this offseason. I know that they're trying to stay under that luxury tax, but I think just with the state that the team is in right now, with a new manager and new coaching staff coming in, I really feel like they needed to do some more things this offseason in order to um, – you know, give David Ross a little more to work with, especially yeah. in the starting rotation, and especially, especially in the bullpen. Um, so, like I said, the bullpen was a big thing that they needed to address. And they picked up a couple guys this offseason, uh, most notably Jeremy Jeffries, who's coming over from the Brewers. Yep. Um, he didn't have too good of a year last year. I know he was dealing with some injuries. Uh, he turned in a over 5 ERA 5.02 to be not good. Exact. Not um, good. Not good. Not too. Not too good. Um, I'm really not impressed with that. Um, but he did have a great 2018. If you look at his numbers, he had a sub two ERA. He did a lot of great things for the Brewers. He saved double digit games for them. Um, so if the Cubs can somehow find a way to get him in that bullpen rotation, get him maybe in front of Craig Kimbrell. I think he could do some good things in the back end of that bullpen. Uh, I know he throws hard. He has some good stuff. But, you know, just not the guy that's going to jump off the paper that, oh, the Cubs got this guy. Yep. 
Um, and then they picked up a couple couple other names. Jarrell Cotton hasn't played since, or hasn't pitched since 2017. Uh, he's 11 and 10 in his career. He, he's uh, not like terrible. He's, just, he, he's an interesting pickup. He is an interesting pickup, and I, I was going to get into that a little bit because he was a very highly touted prospect yep. with the Oakland A's. And, you know, there was a lot of talks when he was coming up about him being this uh, fireballing prospect who had a lot of great potential, a lot of great upside. We have not seen that yet. Um, like I said, he, he I think he had Tommy John surgery in 2017, missed the last couple seasons. Um, but they have him coming in. Uh, Dan Winkler, who spent last season with the Atlanta Braves, 27 appearances, turned in a 4.98 ERA. Again, not another Another subpar statistic, uh, another guy that I really don't think that is going to be able to come in and do much in the Cubs' bullpen. I just don't see these guys that they're picking up as being guys that are going to come in and make a difference, especially with the guys that we lost this offseason. Brandon, Pat, what do you guys think? All right, before Pat gets going, there's one guy that you guys added that I'm going to tell you right now he's going to be the best pitcher in your bullpen by the end of the year. Casey Sadler from the Los Angeles Dodgers. You guys traded for him. In 2019 with the Rays and the Dodgers. With the Rays, he had nine games pitched with a 1.8 ERA. With the Dodgers, he had 24 games pitched with four wins, one save, and 2.3 earned run average. He's very solid, very underrated. Sure, he only pitched, what was it, 33 games, 33 innings, whatever. Small sample size, but still a very good sample size. It's going to be interesting on what he's going to do long-term with this Cubs team if he starts in AAA or if he's, I would assume he's going to start with the, in the majors, but he's a guy with a good small sample size that I'm looking forward to see out of that Cubs bullpen. How many years does he have, Brandon? Three. Or no, two. 2019 and 2018. Okay. He, he, uh, he's 30. Okay. He's 30 years old, so he's a long-time minor league player. But his time in the majors, he has been pretty solid. Interesting. That's yeah. an interesting pickup, definitely, for the Cubs. I was actually going to talk, touch on that, too, Brandon. I think that's the biggest, like, under. I Jack said it earlier that it's been a lot of under-the-radar type moves for the Cubs this offseason. Yeah. Obviously, they don't have a lot, of, a lot of space to work with. But that trade with Dodgers right there, I mean, I think that has potential to pay off big time for the Cubs, uh, if essentially they can keep him going, they do clear out some space in the future to keep him on the team for a while. Yeah. I think it's a valuable piece to have. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know, if the Cubs can find guys like that, and, and who knows, maybe guys like Dan Winkler, Jarrell Cotton, Jeremy Jeffries, like I just talked about, they could be guys that could very well come in and, and for, give a lot of innings uh, for David Ross and do some good things out of that bullpen. I just don't see... With the way that bullpen has been handled uh, by the organization and the coaching staff over yep. the last couple of years, I just don't think that they're in a spot where they can just take gambles on these guys. I really don't think that you know they can bring in a bunch of these no-name guys that, that aren't proven or, or if they've been in the majors, that they haven't had great major league careers. I don't think that they have room for that. You know, they don't have that margin for error. And I just think that's one of the biggest question marks coming into this season is, all these guys in the bullpen, one, all the new guys that they're bringing in and a lot, all the question marks surrounding those guys, and two, the guys that they let go. Yeah. Steve Ciszek, now now with your boys over on the south side. Yep. Brandon Kinsler yep. signed, 
signed a one-year deal with the Miami Marlins. Pedro Strope is now a Cincinnati Red. I think Let that's going to hurt the most, especially because he went to a rival. Most. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into the, the Reds in a, shortly. But yeah. I think letting Pedro Strope was a terrible, terrible decision for the organization. They definitely could have brought him back on a short-term deal, and he they did, wouldn't have had to give him a lot of money. He was a he was a Cubs guy. Everybody loved him in the clubhouse. He did some great things for the organization while he was on the team. I just don't see any reason to let him go. Yes, mm-hmm. he's had his ups. He's had his downs. He's been shaky. He had a really, really, really bad stretch last year where he his velocity was down. His stuff wasn't moving as, as well as it should have. But like I said, he's a Cubs guy. He's the kind of guy that you want to have around the clubhouse. For the long you know, term, yeah. For a long term, and I just you know bringing him back on a on a two year deal, I, I don't know how much money they would have had to dish out for him, but like I said, it, it probably wouldn't have been much. Yeah, I agree. But you know, and again, another guy, Brandon Kinsler. He he's a guy that I was very very high on last year. I know a lot of people didn't really like him, but I think he did some really good things for the Cubs while Craig Kimber was hurt, while Pedro Strope was hurt. You know, while a lot of those guys were down, he stepped up in a big way and, and saved some games or, or held some games for the Cubs. Yeah, I agree, definitely. But, and, yeah, I and, I, go ahead, Pat. I mean, I think the pitching really is the end all for the Cubs right now. I think they have the assets offensively to 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 put some runs on the board, they're kind of similar to what the Sox have been like the past couple of years. Well, offensive or actually last year, I kind of I flipped that. The Sox last year, the pitching wasn't that bad. We just didn't really have the run support from time to time. Yeah, I think it's gonna be flipped. For the it Cubs. was inconsistent. I mean, yeah, and the Cubs definitely have the offensive firepower um, to put runs on the board. But I mean, it it's just like the Sox too. I mean, you're you're getting those late innings, six, seven, and eight, and you have to rely on your bullpen. It's scary. I mean, the Sox are scarred from this past couple of years, but we've blown leads in the, and when the bullpen comes. It's how bad it is. It's it's a scary position to be in, but it, I understand the Cubs don't have a lot of space to work with uh, like financially, but the bullpen is going to be the end all, I think, for the Cubs here. Yeah, I agree. Because that offense can put up runs up and down. There's not really that much of a soft spot in that lineup. Everybody can do a job. It is that bullpen. The rotation's still somewhat solid. Some guys are getting old, but the bullpen is where the soft spot really is with the Cubbies. And I want to I want to get into that real quick, Brandon. The starting pitching for the Cubs because it's a really interesting rotation to me. And that fifth spot in the rotation. Is well, up we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that opinion. when we get our when we get our outlook going. We'll get into the rotation. Okay. Okay. But you know, like I said, well. You, well, we'll get into that, but I don't think they did. The, the organization didn't do what they needed to do in order to improve that rotation. Like I said yeah. in our podcast in December, I would have liked to have seen them get a th- another three or four starter that would give them some innings. Maybe not, you know, wouldn't be a one or two guy isn't going to come in and give you seven or eight every time, but just a filler guy, you know, a guy that can come in, give you solid five or six innings, and you turn it over to that bullpen. Yeah. Definitely. So, but yeah, man, I'm just, I'm really disappointed in the way that the Cubs have handled this offseason. Um, you know, like you said, Pat, and all of us have touched on that luxury tax is a killer for the Cubs right now. And I know they're trying to get under it in order for to build for the future. 
But, you know, the way that this Cubs team is looking right now, I mean, offensively, I like where they're at, um, and we'll get into that in a minute. But pitching-wise, I think they're pretty subpar. Yeah, definitely. And so I mean, going out? Oh, go ahead, Pat. I'll touch on the Cubs one last time. Um, it does kind of look a little bleak for the Cubs this year, but I was reading uh, USA Today posted last week um, – their predictions for the, the every team, what they're going to finish in the regular season. And, I mean, the NL Central, as it does every year, looks like it's going to go down to the wire. They had the Cubs finishing in fourth at 82-80, and 80, but, I mean, they have St. Louis at 88-74 and 74 at first, Cincinnati is 85-77 and 77 at second, and then Milwaukee's 84-78 and 78 at third. And then, you know, we have the, the Pirates down at 60 Yeah, the, the, the Pirates are the Pirates, out. yeah. Yeah, Pirates are around. So, I mean, it may it may look bleak, but, I mean, look, I think look at the, the Twins last year. I mean, they were pretty pretty slow to start the season, and they just caught fire at the right time. They were able to push the, the AL Central. I, as much as it doesn't look good for the Cubs, the AL Central is still going to be tight, and there's always opportunity to sneak in there. Yeah, with that oh, yeah. offense, they're always a contender. That's the thing. Yeah, and the, and the Central's up for grabs. I mean, you got four, I would say three maybe four solid teams in that division. As much as I want to say that, if you look at the Milwaukee Brewers, Yeah, I agree. They're not as good as paper, people think. Yeah, like you, you look at them on paper, and, and, they're, and it's like, okay, Christian Yelich. But then, like, it seems like, at least for the past two, three years, they're always right there in the end. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where the division, like you said, Pat, it's probably going to come down to the wire. Um I really hope the Cubs get off to, and what they've struggled with in the last couple of years is they've gotten off to cold starts, and I would really like to see them get off to a good start. I think that that'll give the that'll give David Ross, that'll give the clubhouse a good vibe. If they get into the season, they get going, they have a good spring training, and they just roll right from game number one. I think that they can make a lot of noise in the central. It's all going to be about, like you said, Brandon, their bats are going to produce. They have really good bats in the lineup, and it's just all going to come down to, to pitching. And, and if guys in the bullpen are able to step up and, and surround Craig Kimbrell in order to close out games. All right. Does that uh, does that wrap it up for the Cubs offseason? Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's pretty much all they, they've done. Um, the other the one other accusation or accusation addition that they made in the offseason that is worth noting is Steven Souza. Yep. Um, you know, he's a guy that they're and I'm gonna get into that when we start talking about the twenty six man roster and breaking all that down, but Steven Souza, career two thirty hitter, so I'm not really seeing too much logic behind it. He missed all of last year with an injury. I know uh, he has been able to produce a little bit. I know he has a little pop in his bat, um, but I just don't think that's that's the right that, that was a that's a right fit for the Cubs. It seems like he's just going to be a bench player. But yeah, that's it for the Cubs offseason. We have a lot more to talk about on the South Side. So yeah, so let's get into the South Side offseason. I'm going to go in order with the deals. So the first deal of the offseason that kind of took everyone by surprise. There's no rumors about it. It just it just happened. We got Yaz on a four-year deal. Then two days later, got a three-year deal with Jose Abreu. Then later on, about a month later, we traded for Nomar Mazzara, who, again, I'll get into it in the 26-man roster. I think he's going to have a real interesting part in this lineup. 
Then we got Gio Gonzalez, who's gonna be a good. He's gonna be a good guy to have in our rotation slash maybe bullpen. Then we got Edwin, Luis Ro- or Dallas Keuchel, three years. Luis Robert extension, which is six years with two options at the end. Steve Ciszek, which was a one year with a team option. And then a couple days ago, we signed Norhe Carlos Vera, who's a 19-year-old pitcher who's tops out at 98. But it's interesting, though, because this deal won't go into place until July 2nd of this year. So we won't really see much of him until July 2nd when he'll be able to get into our minor leagues and kind of develop a little bit more. But it was a big signing for the White Sox, considering they're not really known for our international signings. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. White Sox did some really great things this offseason. They needed, they did what they needed to do in order to build around their young core. They added some veteran guys. Uh, you know, they signed Luis Robert to, to that deal. And I just want to say that the White Sox are insanely smart with the way that they have handled Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. These are two And of the Tim Anderson. Prospects. We did this with Tim Anderson, too. They, they signed them to a six, seven-year deal with not a lot of money tied behind it. It's basically saying, okay, you have improving yourselves in the big leagues, but we're going to sign you to a long-term deal for X amount of money, and we'll see how you produce. And the fact that they have those two guys locked up for six more, I think Eloy is six more years after, and Robert's six years, right? Yeah. Well, Robert, well, this is the thing with both of them, and this is the thing that I like about these deals. To become a free agent in the MLB, you need to have six years of service time. And so... Does that include minor leagues? That does not include minor leagues. It's it's for... uh, The minor leagues probably has its own thing where I'm not really sure, but there's probably a service time in the minors when you hit a certain threshold that you're able to test for agency but it's six years of MLB service time and the thing that I like about these two deals is that they both have team options at the end of them for two extra seasons so say after six years the deal doesn't work out we could cut our losses and Robert's going to go into free agency same thing with Eloy the thing is though is that I get that's a a team-friendly deal, that it, that's what it looks like, a team-friendly deal. But the thing is, though, is that if they don't pan out to what they're supposed to be, we're spending $60 million, $55 million on guys that, who knows, could be the next Gordon Beckham for all we know. Hopefully, hope to God that is not the case. <laughs> I but, can't believe you I mean, dropped a Gordon Beckham bomb. Well, Gordon Beckham just signed with the Padres today, so he was in the back of my head, but... But yeah, so it, it, it's it's a team deal, but it's also not in aspects that you look at it because things can go wrong. But looking at it now, it is definitely a team-friendly deal, especially with Eloy, who hit 31, 32 bombs. I think he might even hit 35 last year. That deal's looking like it might pan out. But Robert, who we haven't even seen touch a professional diamond, it's going to be interesting to see. We'll get more into that, what I think he's going to do when he comes up to the majors. And I know Pat's probably, and Jack, you two, are probably going to want to add some stuff about him. But that's what I've got so far with those two deals. Yeah, I mean, I those think, are... Go ahead, Pat. You go first. Uh, yeah, so in terms of the offseason, I've never personally been a big fan of going for those 
big one-and-done deals. Like, I yep. wasn't too distraught of us not uh, bringing home – I'm sorry, I'm blanking on a pitcher's name from New York. Oh, oh Garrett Cole. Yeah. Garrett Cole, yes. I'm like, yeah, it would have been nice to have him, but if we would have grabbed him, that's all. The only move the Sox would have made this offseason. True. I'd much rather grab a solid core of three, four guys that we're going to have on the team for the time that we need them and they have, their, they have the option to prove themselves and really get behind what the Sox have going here. I think what the way they managed, yes, last season, last offseason was a total travesty trying to figure everything out and all the leaks with with uh, Bryce and all that stuff, it sucked. But I think they financially they handled their money well. They knew exactly what they wanted and they went out there and got it. They weren't you know, too hung up on the big name deals and they got who they wanted. And I think the Sox were way better off with who they got than what some of the big guys they could have brought home in, but either this, 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 this offseason or the last offseason. Yeah, and another thing about those deals, Pat, I'm looking at it right now. Out of all the deals that we had, only two of them doesn't have an option for next season. So with Gio Gonzalez, Edwin Carnacion, uh, and Steve Ciszek, it's a one-year deal with an option. So we have them this year. If they perform, we have the option to bring them back next year, which I love because if they don't end up performing, then we cut our losses. But if they do perform, then great. We've got them for an extra year. Brandon, I want to go back really quick to what you were saying about Eloy and Luis Robert. Yeah. About um, You were kind of making it seem like the Sox were almost gambling. On, on both of these guys. And yeah. I want to say that those are two gambles that I would absolutely take. If oh, I was yeah, I'd take the them Chicago too. White Sox. Because, yeah, okay, yeah, if, if Eloy doesn't pan out, which I think Eloy is going to be a very, very good player in the majors, and I think the same about Robert. Yeah. But say they don't, you know, say they don't pan out. Okay, you didn't invest too much money into that, right? Yeah. In terms of baseball. Yeah. Because $60 million in baseball, let's be honest, is not that much. Especially over um, eight years or six years or whatever. Right. But then you have the flip side. If it does pay out, play out the way that they're you know hoping it does and the way it's looking like it's going to, then you have Eloy Jimenez who, if he you know, kind of tightens up his defense a little bit and he hits for – I don't think Eloy is going to be a guy that hits – 280, 290. I think he's going to be more of a 260, 270 hitter with maybe, you know, 35, 40 bombs. But that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and so they can get that out of those two guys and they can play an important role in what the White Sox are trying to do or in trying to complete this rebuild. That's a win for the Sox, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I, I agree. If, if it pans out, which I am. With Eloy, I'm about 85, 90% sure that it's going to pan out. Robert, we'll see. I'm really looking forward to see what he does. But, Jack, like you said, honestly, if you look at it, it's a win-win situation. Even if they don't pan out, we're not spending that much amount of money. But if they do pan out and turn out to be what they think they are, then we're getting them on a great team-friendly deal for two extra years that we wouldn't have had if we didn't give this extension. And I like what Pat said, too. The Sox spent their money very, very, very wisely this offseason. I don't like the whole, I mean, I understand it. Obviously, if if I'm the New York Yankees and Garrett Cole tells me that he wants to play in New York, obviously I'm going to pay him the money. Well, that's really all the Yankees needed, too. 
Right. But I think what I'm saying is I think it was very, very smart for them to, to look at it and be like, okay, like, yes, we can go after these big guys and give them all the money in the world, but we're not going to do that. We're going to go get solid guys like Encarnacion, like Yasmany Grandel, that can come, that are going to come in and produce for an offense that top to bottom is pretty stacked. I'm looking at it on my computer right now, and I'm looking at just the outlook of what the White Sox um, starting nine is going to be, and that's a very, very, very dangerous starting nine. Yeah, no, I agree. So I think they did some really great things this offseason. Yeah, I agree. And uh, do you guys have anything else to add about the offseason? I'm good, man. Let's, let's Are we get to talk man. a little bit on the – the potential trades that still could be coming up, or not? no? We're 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 not we're not even going to worry about that because that'll this will turn into a three hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, if we get into this. That's smart, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll focus on that next week. But this week we're just going to stick on the actual things that have happened and what the roster is going to look like. So this is how I want to do it with the roster outlook. Let's start with the starting rotation and the bullpen first. So. Jack, go ahead and lay out your starting rotation for the Cubbies. Is it what I want to, what I think it should be? Or yeah, what exactly. It's probably going to be? What, you what, think, think what be? you think it should be, yes. Okay, first I'm not going to go out, because there's a bunch of names that I have here that are potential suitors for the Cubs bullpen. I'm not going to name off all those names. I'm just going to talk about the ones that most of the general public would know by name. All right. So the Cubs starting rotation, this is what I personally think it should look like going into 2020. I think your number one opening day starter is Hugh Darvish. Um, with, the, with the back half of 2019 that he had, he was one of the best pitchers in the major leagues. Uh, after the All-Star break, he, he was great. He didn't have a lot of wins under his belt. He wasn't really getting those, but he was pitching very well. I really like um, what he did. I think his command was was there. I think his stuff looked a lot better than it did um, in 2018 and uh, the first half of 2019. So I think he's our ace this year. I think, obviously, the professor, Kyle Hendricks, Mr. Reliable, number two starter for the Cubs. I don't really have to back that one up too much. I think you guys agree with me that Kyle Hendricks is a really solid pitcher. Um, number three, I'm going to throw in John Lester, uh, just cause he's John Lester. He's getting older. Uh, last year he showed a lot of signs of regression, which I really didn't like to see because, you know, it's John Lester. We love Johnny Lester. Yeah. Um, but I put him number three. Hopefully he can have sort of a, uh, he can have a, a much better year than he did last year and kind of, um, find some spark in the latter half of his career. Number four, obviously Jose Quintana. Um, again, um, still mad that we gave up Eloy Jimenez for Jose Quintana. I think that was so stupid. Um, so you're welcome for that. Um, but obviously he's under contract. He's going to be the number four starter for the Cubs. Is he a bad number four starter? I'm not going to say yes, because he's not. He's not a bad number four starter. If you look at the number four starters around the league and the numbers they put up versus the numbers that, that Jose Quintana puts up, Quintana fares pretty well against most number four starters in the league. Now, the fifth starter in the Cubs rotation is where it gets interesting because I really feel like this is up for grabs. You got Tyler Chatwood in there, okay, who did some really good work out of the bullpen last year. He was one of those guys that if a starter came in and got rocked, Madden would throw 
uh, Chatwood in a lot of the time to cover a lot of innings. I think he did a great job in that position. And the other guy is Adbert Alzale. That's how you pronounce his name, I think, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. So I was actually at his first major league game last year, and I was really excited because I heard a lot about him. I know he's he's a guy that's been in the minors for many years. And, but, you know, watching him pitch in that, and again, it was only one game that I saw him in, so can't really say too much, but he looked really good. Uh, I think he had some really great stuff. He had good velocity on his fastball. Um, I think that's a guy that's really going to be able to compete for that fifth starting spot in the Cubs rotation rotation this year. I think he's a really intriguing guy, and, and if he creeps up into that fifth spot and provides some, some good innings, could be a very interesting rotation. Yeah, so with the White Sox rotation, pretty solid rotation, a rotation that we have probably a more solid rotation than we've had in the past. The number one and number two spots, I think, are really like interchangeable, and we'll see what Renteria wants to do. But I've got Giolito starting opening day for the White Sox. I mean, he was our best pitcher last year. He deserves it. He works hard. And I think that's the whole point of the opening day starter is it should be your best pitcher and uh, who works the hardest. But I could also be at seeing Keuchel, considering that was our big free agent pitching signing last year. So we'll see, or this year, we'll see how the one and two looks. And then at three, we got Kopech, who of course missed all of last season. We'll see if, I've heard rumors that he might actually have a starter two down in AAA. We'll see what the White Sox want to do with that. But I think that he could be ready. We'll see how he does in spring training. In the fourth spot, Ronaldo Lopez, who I honestly think will finish the year in the bullpen. But for now, I have him slot in that number four spot. Number five, Dylan Cease. And the White Sox, I think, are going to go with a six-man rotation to start the year and kind of see where the rotation pans out who does well, who doesn't, to really see who either might get moved down to AAA, which I don't really see happening, or who might get moved to the bullpen, which I definitely see as a liable option. At the sixth spot, I got Gio Gonzalez. So we'll see how that pans out for the White Sox. But what do you guys think about this rotation? I think for the you touched on it with having Kopech in the start down in the AAA this offseason, I don't think that's a bad idea at all, honestly. I mean, I think, I think it's a great idea. Somebody, I was actually going to say that, too. Um, I mean, yeah, he missed all of last year. He's still really young. I feel like throwing him back into the majors to start off the season might be a little bit too much for him. Yeah. And I think with the Sox, uh, I was also kind of getting the vibe with Gio Gonzalez. It would be a six-man rotation this year. Why not? Why not let Mike get a couple starts down in AAA, get his feeling back, and then bring him up bring him up when he's ready. There's no need to rush him whatsoever if we have the potential to have a solid six man rotation. Let it yeah. let him develop, see how he does this all or see how he does in spring training. But I don't think there's any reason to rush him up to where he needs to be on the starting roster to start off season. Yeah, I agree. So then it'll I be, completely yeah. agree with you, Pat. I think it would be smart for the organization to do that. Just looking at what they have now. Giolito, Keiko, Gonzalez, Cease, and Lopez. That's a good, that's a solid five starters to start your season with. Even if you kept Kopech down for a month, a month and a half, let him get let him get a feel for it. Let, it, let him get it back before you throw him right to the dogs again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think this spring training is really going to tell us 
what they're going to do with Kopech because he's, he's obviously going to pitch a little bit in spring training. Uh, we'll see how he feels. It's really up to the higher management, I think, with that. So we'll see what they decide. I'm pretty. You guys are right. I'm pretty sure he's going to start down in AAA to start the season. Yeah, I mean that, yeah, that would be a so, uh, that's a smart move, man. I, I really like that. The Sox still have so much, so much potential down in the minors too, with their pitching. I I mean, my mind immediately goes to uh, Jonathan Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, I mean, he just got brought up to I think single A after the All Star break last year. Grant, he's he's a ways out. Yeah, he might be. I mean, he might start the year in Double A though. He's pretty. He's pretty solid. I mean, there is still a lot of potential for this for this core pitching rotation going forward. That um, I really think you need to utilize to be really smart with the young guys. Yeah, and I think Kopech's definitely the one that you don't want. God, you do not want him to re-injure that that arm again. Yeah, and I mean, we also got we also got Jimmy Lambert who was hurt to finish the year last year. He he was one of the best pitchers in the uh, minors to uh, this uh, this past season for the minors, and then we also got uh, Dane Dunning who was hurt, but we'll see how he does. I was he a Cubs guy, Dane Dunning? I feel like he was. I think he was because that name sounds familiar. I think it was Dunning, Eloy, and Cease in that deal. My, I think I think actually you're right on that, Brandon. Yeah. All right. Well. Let's move on to the bullpen. Jack, I know you're oh excited to God. talk about this. I'm going to have a heart attack watching the Cubs bullpen this year. <laughs> Shit. Um, all right. Well, we don't got much to work with as of now. I mean, as the season starts, as it, you know, progresses and gets into June, July, you really start to see who's going to be locked in every team's bullpen. But I want to start right from the closing position, Craig Kimbrell. Now, we signed him to a three-year deal. Uh, last year, he did not have a great season with the Cubs, especially towards the tail end of the year. He really was struggling, especially in that last Cardinal series. He really looked bad. Yeah. Um, and you know, but but as a guy who was who was once one of the game's most elite closers, I think that he needs to come into this year with the mindset of, okay, he Ross needs to pitch him in his role it can't be this extended like okay i'm gonna throw you in in the eighth inning when we're up by one and i need you to get five outs for me that's not what craig kimbrell is that's not who he is well, that, that was also a big guy. talking point in free agencies that he did not want to do that at all no and he didn't i don't blame him and he shouldn't have to because he is a closer closers are supposed to pitch the ninth inning so I think Kimbrell needs to have a good year. Uh, I think he needs to have a good spring training. I really hope all his injuries have gotten all that is healed. I hope he's feeling good and he's ready to come into 2020. Um, A couple other guys, Kyle Ryan, I liked him coming out of the Cubs bullpen last year. Uh, I think he's a good southpaw. I think he's a really good situational guy. Put him in uh, depending on, you know, runners on base, depending on who's hitting. Uh, One of those guys. Uh, Rowan Wick, I really liked him last Yeah, Rowan Wick too. was solid. He is solid, and I think he went under the radar uh, throughout last year, too, because I think the reason for that was because of how much the back end of the, bullpen, or of the Cubs' bullpen, how much they struggled. Yeah. But Rowan Wick gave, gave Madden some really good innings last year. Um, Dwayne Underwood, uh, he was a guy that was up and down last year. I know he was one of the... 
Cubs best relievers in their um, farm system. So looking looking forward to see what he brings to the table. Jeremy Jeffries uh, is the last guy I'm going to touch on really quick in that bullpen. I think, like we talked about earlier, didn't have a good year last year at all, but had an outstanding 2018 season with the Brewers. So if they if he can find that, if he can find the pitcher that he was in 2018, the back end of the bullpen, if coached correctly, could be a threat. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So the Cubs bullpen is definitely going to be a problem, but there are a couple guys in there that are going to be impactful, like Wick, uh, that guy that we talked about earlier from the uh, Dodgers Stradler. We'll see what they do with him. But uh, also, I mean, if these couple pieces can come together and really perform well this year, the bullpen definitely will not be as as big of a problem as what it seems right now. I agree with that. I mean, if they're able to come together and, and they're able – I think one of the major problems last year, too, was – um, these guys kept getting thrown into different roles. Like when you have a, a good structured bullpen, I feel like you have your guys that are going to go in when needed in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning to just get outs. And then you have your setup guy and then you have your closer. I feel like there were different guys in those roles throughout the entire season for the Cubs last year. Well, yeah, and I know there were some injuries and all that, but I feel like Madden was just throwing these guys into positions that they weren't used to and they're not supposed to be in. And I think that was one of the main problems last year for that bullpen. Well, yeah, and I mean, pitchers pitchers are fucking freaks. They have their routines every day. <laughs> they do the same thing every day. And you're right, when Sorry. they get changed out of their role and they have to do things differently, it not only impacts their performance, but it also uh, impacts their how they warm up, when they warm up, when they get to the ballpark, ballpark, when they eat. Like, there's all these factors that go into it. And if you get somebody off of, off of their uh, off of their game plan, then it's just it's just going to derail, and it's going to derail even faster than you'd think. Yeah, I agree with that, Pat. What do you got, man? I think it kind of ties in with Madden. I think a lot of people really liked his him being a very unorthodox style coach. But ultimately, you need to know your players best, and some of those like wonky moves that like grabbing the attention of the media are ultimately hurting your team. So I think having David Ross in there, obviously, he's not going to pull. He's definitely learned some things from from Madden. I, I don't doubt that. He was also a catcher he, too, which helps. Right. So he knows the pitchers best. Um, so Brandon, I know you said it. It doesn't look the most appealing on paper for the Cubs bullpen, but I think you have the right the right coach now. I'm not saying Man was a bad coach. I just think the way Ross thinks, the way he knows what a pitcher goes through, he's not going to put anybody in the wrong position like Madden might have done last season. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. All right, so is that all for the Give Cubby the bullpen? bullpen? All right, White Give Sox, Sox bullpen. bullpen. All right, so I'm going to touch on the guys that are going to be the main pieces, which are actually there's a lot of main pieces in this bullpen. And then I'll touch on the guys that are interchangeable. So, totally underrated lefty pitcher, Aaron Bummer, who had an amazing season last year. I hope he comes Very back. Underrated. Very underrated. I hope he comes underrated. back just as good. Uh, free agent signing Steve Ciszek. He's going to be big. Uh, Jace Fry, who, again, underrated lefty. He, he hits his bumps every once in a while, but when he's solid, he's solid. 
Evan Marshall, who was very good for the White Sox last year, had a very good long streak of without giving up a run. Um, and then we got, uh, of course, we got Colome to shut down the bullpen. So now the guys that are inter- interchangeable, Jimmy Cordero had a gr- had a pretty solid season for the White Sox last year. I, me personally, I like him a lot. We've also got uh, Kelvin Herrera, who was absolute dog shit last year. So those two guys right there are going to, if they don't perform, one, I think Herrera would just be DFA'd. He'd be done. But there are three guys that I left out on this 26-man roster, and they're all bullpen guys that definitely could make the uh, roster. First, we got Carson Fulmer. I think this is going to be his last stretch with the White Sox if he doesn't perform well. I think they're just going to cut their losses. Uh, I, I, me personally, I know he hasn't performed well, but I've got a soft heart for Fulmer. I don't know why, but I really hope that he performs well, and I think he'd perform very well out of the bullpen. We also got Ian Hamilton, who uh, was hurt all of last season. We'll see how he performs this year. And then Jose Ruiz, who I hope we just cut ties with before the season starts because he was dog shit last year. So that's what I got for our bullpen right now. Yeah, I mean, I like the way that the White Sox bullpen is looking going into 2020. I mean, like like you said, Brandon, I mean, Aaron Bummer, he, he's a really good left-handed piece coming out of that bullpen. I like Colome uh, in the closer spot. I don't, uh, I don't know. I know he had a little bit of a bumpy stretch last year. He yeah, was it, was, it, was, it was closer to the end of the season, though. He was probably just like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and he so also was struggling with arm stuff. It's there was a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, so I mean that's a good guy to have as your closer. He's had a lot of success in his career. I think the X factor for your guys' bullpen is going to be Steve Ciszek. You lucky motherfuckers! You took him from me. <laughs> um, but you know he had a little bit of a rough stretch last year too. But he turned in a sub three ERA. Um, he saved seven games for the Cubs last year with fifty seven strikeouts. So. He's definitely, and he's a sinker ball pitcher. So, you know, that that's another thing that, that boosts his game even more is is the ability to give hitters different looks, different angles, you know, different kinds of pitches. He is a nasty slider, man. And and if he can, if the Sox can set up this thing where it's like C-Sheck 7th, Bummer in the 8th, Colome in the ninth, I think you're looking pretty good over there, Brandon. Yeah, and you know what with C-Sheck, the fact that he's a ground ball pitcher, I really hope Timmy A was practicing ground balls this offseason. Oh, I really hope so, because he struggled a little bit with that last year. Yeah, you know who didn't? Yes, we know. Javi Baez. Yes, we know. Javier Baez. <laughs> that short topic. Thank Scott. God. Thank God Jay's not here. Yeah, dude. Uh, I, was gonna, I, was, I just want to say, shout out to my boy Jay. I love you dearly, but you are damn lucky that you are not on this podcast tonight, because every <laughs> single time we talk about Tim Anderson and Javier Baez, your ass chickens out of having a conversation with me because you know you're going to lose. So I just want to say that. I've been planning on saying that the whole entire day. So there it is. All right, there it is. Pat, you got anything about this bullpen, buddy? Uh, I, I always I always liked the bullpen last year. I know we had those really, like, horrible games where we blow it late in the, late in the game. It was tough to watch. It was a joke. Uh, but I really do like this bullpen. I think it's 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 it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. It's Nobody that's going to really grab your eye. 
It's nobody special. It's just a solid core group of dudes that know what they they know their job and they're going to go in and get it done. Um, I really like. I've always liked uh, Kwame. I I'm stoked to have him as our closer. Uh, and then kind of touching on Carson Fulmer, he is he does have a soft spot uh, spot in my heart too. I mean, I was pretty. Is it the goggles, Pat? That does bring back a little bit of memories. From <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because I recall you wearing wearing goggles. Yeah, in you're damn right. Yeah, Those are vintage, good. baby. Those are vintage. But uh, Carson definitely has a soft spot in my heart. There's a lot of hype around him. We drafted him. I think we drafted him the 2015 first round, like number eight pick. A lot of a lot of hype around him. You hate to see a guy like that that early in the. Uh, and the draft kind of go to waste. And I know he couldn't find himself in the starting rotation. Tried him out in the, the bullpen. He wasn't. He wasn't as bad in the bullpen. He was all. He was bad yeah, as he, a starter. Yeah, he was. Couldn't find his spot there. Um, it sucks, but I, I really hope he can find his way because, like I said, he does have. I feel like there's a lot of people in Chicago that on the south side have a soft, a soft, a soft uh, spot for him. But <laughs> yeah. uh, regardless, I think the Sox have a a very good bullpen. It's definitely a step up a little bit from last year, but it also still scares me. Um, we had the firepower. We have the bats. And we're going to get into it a little bit. Um, we definitely have the starting rotation, but... There's a couple of soft spots in this bullpen for sure. Yeah. Um, we're definitely going to be asking a lot of our starting rotation when the time comes, and there's definitely going to be a lot of anxiety going into those late regular season games where every game counts and when we hand over to the bullpen, I'm going to be like, ah, we could easily blow this game. But I, I do think we're a lot better position than we were last year. Oh, yeah, I agree. We are definitely in a better spot. So, Jack, show us the offense, please. Okay. So, this is what I'm thinking for this, Brandon. What if we break this down by position? I so, did, I did lineup. About- I did it by lineup. So, I'm talking, I'm talking, I talk about Contreras, you go Grandel, and then we go to Rizzo. If you, if you want to do that, we can do that. All right. So yeah. let's start it off. First of all, north side. And then, wait, wait. Will, and then add when they're going to hit in the lineup. Okay. So first off, Wilson Contreras. Obviously, there was a lot of talks going into the offseason about, oh, we might trade Contreras, Caratini might be our guy. Well, I just want to say that I'm very happy that the Cubs – have not yet, and it doesn't look like they're going to, Trey Wilson Contreras. I really like him. He's a great Batman. He, he's the best hitting catcher in baseball, in my opinion. He puts up power numbers pretty much every year. Um, last year, you know, hitting 24 home runs with a 272 average, 64 RBIs. He was hurt for a while. I want to point that out. Um, so those stats, I definitely think he would have been pushing 30 90 if he didn't get hurt yeah um but a guy that i love having behind the plate he has a great arm the only thing about Contreras' game that that needs to improve is his framing he's statistically the worst framing starting catcher in major league baseball if my um it's either him or gary sanchez because gary sanchez is dog shit behind the plate right um so where as to where he's going to hit in the lineup, I think he's going to be floating around. And again, we don't have the Joe Madden lineup where Anthony Rizzo is going to be hitting four one day and leadoff spot the the next day. Yeah, it's going to be gonna more. See, yeah, I think we're going to see a consistent Cubs lineup. I think we are going to see him consistently hit in the fifth spot for the Cubs this year. All right. Well, the south side we got Yaz, switch hitter, 
does it all. I mean, he's an awesome defensive catcher. Can hit for power on both sides of the plate. I mean, the thing with Chicago that I'm excited about is that we have two of the best catchers in the league. I'm not going to get into who's better because that's going to start a whole nother conversation. But Grandel's Grandel's better. You think so? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, anyways, so. I I might even put James in that, too. Just saying. I'm not going to start anything, but I think James could also be a good argument against Wilson. Yeah, I mean, James McCann's also pretty good, but we're going to have Grandal behind the plate. Awesome catcher is one of the big key points of the reason why he came to the White Sox was that he wanted to work with the young pitchers, so I think he's going to be great in that as- aspect also. So I'm excited to see him in that role. So just excited. I'm excited to see him play. Pat, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think me personally, like you said in the beginning of the episode, that it was kind of shocking when the Sox picked them up. No one really saw it coming. Um, I mean, if I were to pick one person that I'm probably most excited to see play that we picked up this offseason, I mean, I cannot wait to see Edwin take the plate, but I think Rondahl is going to be... Oh, 110%, yeah. And he's going to pay off big when when the time comes where we're pushing for either a wild card or we're pushing for that first place spot with Central. Yeah. Jack, you got anything to say about Yaz? I mean, I really like him. He's the second best catcher in baseball, in my opinion. I think he is great defensively. I think he brings some really good things to the plate, too. Switch hitter. I Right? He is a switch hitter. Yeah, he's a switch hitter, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. So... Yeah, Yasmani Grandel is going to bring a lot of good things to the south side. He can hit for average. He hits for a little bit of power. And I think he's really going to be able to mold with the young guys because he's experienced. And I think he's going to be a leader right off the bat for that team. Yeah, definitely. Well, I did a little research on uh, this lineup here on where I was going to put everybody. The spot that Grandel has hit the most and had the most success in in his career was the five spot. So... I'm sticking them in the five spot. All right. First base. Let's get rolling. All right. The captain of the Chicago Cubs, Anthony Rizzo. Obviously, very consistent, a great player, top three first baseman in the league. Um, I know, I think he's second to Freddie Freeman. A lot of people argue Pete Alonso, but I think Pete Alonso has a couple more years where he needs to prove that he can produce the way he did last year in order yeah. for me to give him. Um, that the polar title, bear, baby. Second, yeah. Second to Freeman. Um, but one thing I have down here in my notes is that Anthony Rizzo needs to play a big, big role this year. And obviously, he plays a big role every single year. He's always consistent, always hits for power, average, always is a great run producer. But what, I, what I'm trying to say here is Anthony Rizzo needs to be the leader. He needs to be the guy in that clubhouse that says, especially with the guys that were on the team last year, which is, you know, they have a lot of, most of the team returning. He's got to go in that locker room and be the guy that's like, okay, we're putting 2019 behind us. We're going to get on the saddle for 2020. We're going to be who we know that we can be. We're going to go out there and win ball games. And I don't care how we do it, but we're just going to go out there and win. And I think his relationship with David Ross is going to be a big factor in, in his play. I think he's going to even produce more than he did under Joe, under Joe Madden. Yeah. Um, and to where he is going to hit in the lineup, I have him at number three. Yeah, so 
Go wait. Who did you? Where did you have Contreras hitting? Number five. Number five. Well, we're about to be the same with our first baseman too, because I also have Abreu hitting in the three spot. It's again. It's going to be very, very big this year to see Jose Abreu and how he performs around a lineup where he actually has people hitting around him now instead of people That's like new. Yeah, instead of Yomer Sanchez. Are you like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The fact yeah, that Jose is definitely in a better spot. Yeah, and he's got or Moncada batting around him. He's got Encarnacion, Grandal. I mean, he's gonna have all. He's gonna be driven in more. Hopefully, he has more RBIs. I think that's gonna be tough considering that he already hits 110 RBIs a year. But <laughs> hopefully, we'll see his average creep up a little bit and his uh, home runs. Again, he's just a good all-around first baseman. Rizzo and Abreu are both the same in the aspect that I think they're both captains of the team, uh, especially with the big Cuban, Dominican uh, aspect of the White Sox. Abreu's really taken these guys under his wing, which I think has been huge for especially Mankata. He's he's led Mankata to the place that he's at right now. But I'm really looking forward to see what Abreu does with this lineup this year. Yeah, I love Jose Abreu. I'm happy. Happy, like you said, he's got people batting around him. Um, I think what he did last year with a very subpar lineup, God, I, I feel I, I'd be scared as hell on the rest of the league, knowing what the Sox have and knowing that Jose's got a like a large amount of firepower around him this season. Yeah, I agree. Definitely a scary thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely a scary thing. All right, Jack, move us on to second base. Well, I feel like second base for both of us is a big question mark right now. I mean, if you look at what the Sox... I've got a huge hot take for mine, but you go ahead, Jack. (laughs) All right. I knew Brandon would. (laughs) He always does. So anyways, what I think that the Cubs need to do, and I think the starting second baseman for the Chicago Cubs is going to be determined in spring training in the next couple months. Um, where they're really evaluating their guys and what they want to do uh, with that situation at second base. Because last year was a big problem. We had Addison fucking Russell. Thank God we got rid of that guy. Um, but So the guys I'm looking at for this year for the Cubs at second base, Nico Horner and David Bodie. Nico Horner is a very intriguing player to me. He I like great, Nico. He, he yeah. was up for about a month, I think, at the tail end of the season. Um, I think if he produces in spring training and he continues to get better, I do think he can win over that starting second base spot for the Cubs. Um, he's a natural second baseman, I believe, so that that's good for him, uh, playing playing into his strengths. David Bodie, another guy that's been all around the diamond for the Cubs, could be a guy that starts at second base for the Cubs just because he's there. Um, and then one thing that I, I actually heard this or saw this a couple days ago, that the Cubs were in conversations with Jason Kipnis. Now, that's a very interesting one to me. He's, he's from Kipnis Illinois, too. A, I know, he is. And that's a very interesting one to me because the last couple of years he has, he's been hurt, hasn't really done much for the Indians. He's a free agent now. Um, and as a guy that could potentially come in on a one-year deal, two-year deal, you know, I really think that that might not be a bad idea for the Cubs to do. They lost out on getting Starlin Castro, really wasn't happy about that, but Jason Kibnis might not be a bad guy to look into. Yeah, no, I agree. Jason Kibnis would definitely be solid. So, with the White Sox, like the Cubs, 
Second base is a huge open spot right now. I am 90% sure that it's going to be Leary Garcia there at opening day. But that's not who I want. I want Danny Mendick playing second base for our Chicago White Sox on opening day. I don't know, Jack, if you know who I'm talking about. Do you? Nope. Nope. Perfect. So he, he, he came out of nowhere these last couple seasons with the White Sox. Really tore up the minor leagues, and the White Sox finally gave him a shot at the end of the year last year. He only had 40 plate appearances, but in the 40 plate appearances, he batted 308 with two homers. So I, I want to see, before we get Madrigal up, because I'm almost positive that he's not going to be up on opening day, because I feel like that probably would have been, I don't would have been pushed more a little bit by the White Sox at this point. But before we give it to Madrigal, who's going to hold down second base for us, I want to give this young guy a shot to prove himself to maybe be able to stick with the White Sox as a good bench bat, or maybe every once in a while when one of these guys rests, he could slide into a position. But I'm a big fan of Danny Mendick, and I think he's got a lot of potential, especially with this White Sox team. I feel like he can fill in definitely in certain spots. Because he also plays shortstop and third base also. So if anything ever happens or somebody needs a rest day, he can slide right in there. So I feel like Danny Mendick should be the opening day starter at second base. But I'm almost positive it's going to be Leary Garcia. And I have whoever's playing second base, I have them leading off for the White Sox. Did Danny Mendick get... I don't know if I heard you right. Did he play there? Was he up in the majors last year? Yeah, towards the end of the He was a September call-up at the end of the year. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I mean, obviously, I wasn't expecting you to say him. Honestly, <laughs> I, 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 I think I'd take him over later, to be honest. But, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, if for both for both sides of the city, it's second base is going to be... Uh, I mean, for the Sox, it's not really a question because we know what our future lies at second base. But just for those first couple months in the season, it's a big question mark. And then I know it's a, a toss-up over on the north side, too. Yeah. Jack, what, right, do, you, what, do, you think of, what do you think about Mendick, huh? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really know too much about him before you said his name, yeah. before I'm looking at him <laughs> yeah. here now. And it's intriguing. I mean, that's definitely an intriguing thing for the Sacks to look at. I mean, you know, he's 26 years old. And, and he did have uh, had had success when he was up for September. I mean, 12 hits and, and 39 at bats. I mean, you can't really argue with that. Those are some pretty good stats there. Um, so you know, if if they give him a shot and he produces, why not keep him there? I mean, I don't think Lurie Garcia is going to end the year as a second baseman for the White Sox. No, I think he will start there, like you said, Brandon. But yeah, man, I mean, give give the kid a shot. Why not? Yeah, exactly. All right, let's move over to. Uh... The big talk. Go ahead. The big talk. Well, it's not really a big talk. Jay just makes it out to be a big talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, big it's a talk. different conversation. It's a much more civil conversation with Jay as he's here to talk about the shortstop. <laughs> yeah, true. Yes. So, obviously, my guy, Javier Baez, top three shortstop in Major League Baseball. I will argue that with anybody. I just think that he brings so many things to the table with, with his hitting, with his speed with his fielding with just his iq on the diamond i think he's one of the most elite players in major league baseball with all the things he can do 
And with all the improvements that he has made, that's one thing that I feel like isn't talked about enough is the strides that Javier Baez has made when he came from when he first came up to what he is now. When he first came up, I'm not going to lie to you, 2014, 15, 16, I was like, oh, yeah, here's Javier. He's going to strike out again. Yeah. But, you know, he was a very vital, important piece to that 2016 championship team. Made some improvements in 2017, showed a lot of promise. 2018, finished second in the MVP voting to Christian Yelich. So, Javier Baez, definitely a guy that's going to, you know, he's obvi- he's the best player on the Cubs, in my opinion. He's going to be in the four spot, or should be in the four, or I'm sorry, the, yeah, the four spot. Should be hitting cleanup for the Cubs, right behind Rizzo. Um, and, but I think Baez needs to make even more strides in his game this year. He was hurt for a little bit last year. Um, so his numbers don't really, I mean, he hit 29 homers with 81 RBIs. I think he hit 270-something, which is what you're going to get from Javier Baez. You're not going to get a 290-300 hitter, you know, or 300 season from him. But if you could just get the, those plus 30 homers, plus 90 RBIs, and, and a 280, if he flirts with 280, I'll be happy, man. I love that guy. Yeah, definitely. So then with us, again, it's not really much of a question. We got Tim Anderson, who definitely has proven himself offensively. Defensively, I still want to see a little bit more. It's weird. It seems like he always makes the hard, crazy plays. But the ground ball hit right to him. He always fucking boots it. No matter what, he's booting it. So, like I said, hopefully you worked on that during the offseason. But I know this is going to be a lot of White Sox fans aren't going to like this. A lot of people want Anderson up higher towards the lineup. I've got Anderson in the seventh spot for this reason. Oof. For this reason especially, when I'm looking at this lineup, there is an argument to put him at leadoff spot, so I wouldn't mind seeing him there. But if he's That's not, if he's not in the in the leadoff spot, then I want to see him in the seventh spot because if you look at it, we've got two through six can all hit. Bombs, right? We've got our big boys. And then towards the lower part of our lineup, we got the guys that are, are big question marks. So I, I'd like to see Anderson move down there, get on base, so these two lower guys don't have to think about it as much and worry about getting on base, whereas they just need to put the bat on the ball, which I think is especially going to be important for Luis Robert when he comes up because getting the bat on the ball is going to be most important for him instead of trying to do too much. So that's why I have Anderson in the seventh spot. I think for shortstop, um, and it goes for both sides, for the north and the south side, the the shortstops is just kind of the heart of the team, I feel like. Obviously, we obviously we have Jose, y'all have uh, Rizzo, but I think the shortstop and Javi and Timmy really brings the swagger out of each team, especially the Sox, because I can just relate to that the most. I mean, Timmy is the heart of the team. He'll get you fired up. And I, I feel like Javi is probably the same way over on the north side. Um, oh, he is. I absolutely. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to be like Jay. I have nothing but respect for Javi. I absolutely love Tim Anderson. I love I'm going to be the show Twitter. 20 cover athlete. <laughs> Damn I love right he is. on Twitter. Um, he's always talking, dude. He's ready for the season. He's hungry. I absolutely love it. And, Brandon, I kind of like the idea of having him at the seven. Obviously, I think he could definitely 
if we need him to, he's definitely a, a leadoff. Uh, oh, 100%. Form. 100%. I, I do like him. I do like him in the seventh spot because I feel like if him in the lower portion of the the, bro, or the, the batting order, it still makes pitchers fear in the back end of it. Yeah. And usually you, you got those teams where it's kind of like us last year where you got, once you got past Eloy Yo-Yo and Abreu, you got Yomer. You got Yomer. Was in there. Yeah, you had, you had you like nobody wants. I mean, still, you, you you get past you know like you said two through six. You got to get past our big boys. You still got to face Timmy and Luis Robert, and once uh, Robert's time comes. So I do. I don't mind. I know it's kind of a shock. Um, obviously, I trust me. I don't really want Larry leading off, but uh, I I think it's not. I don't think it's an awful idea. Yeah. Um, contrary to popular belief, I really like Tim Anderson. I just don't like the way that Jay makes him out to be Derek Jeter. Um, so yeah. how I see Tim Anderson, I really, he obviously had a great season last year, AL batting champ. Um, he was hurt for a while, uh, so that affected his power numbers a little bit. But if he can, the big question mark for this year for him is, can he, now obviously, okay, I'll put a lot of money on that he's not going to hit 335 again. But if he can be in the 290 to 310 range, hit 20 homers for the White Sox, man, you guys are looking pretty over there. Yeah, that that would be that'd be very nice. That'd be very nice. So, just want the record to show that me and Jack had a little text conversation last year, and Jack's words were that Timmy would be below 300 by July, I think, and he wasn't. So I just want to put yeah, that just wear it, Jack. Jack, hurt. just wear that one. That that's one that you just gotta wear. I won't be a scumbag about it, but Jay has that screenshot. Don't hold over your head for the rest of your life. <laughs> Jay's a scumbag in general. <laughs> All right, let's move over to three bagger. All right. So obviously, in the baseball world, a lot of talks have been centered around this guy. Chris Bryant, obviously there's a lot of news that has come out lately about him losing his grievance that he filed with the Cubs. Um, and there's a lot going on there. I think he's still, there's a possibility that he might get traded, but I'm going to talk about it like he's going to be our third baseman this year. Um, so Chris Bryant gets a lot of shit, and I'm not really sure why. Yet, has he been the same guy he was in 2016? No. But... Last year, 282, 31 homers, 77 RBIs, 382 on base percentage. Those are good numbers. Those are really, really good numbers. And, you know, I like Chris Bryant. I like him a lot. I, I would put him in the two spot in our order. I think that is where I think a Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras is what I is what my perfect look for two through five is for the Cubs. Um but if Chris Bryant can come out and be Chris Bryant, hit 280 north of 30 homers, I'd like to see that RBI number pop up a little bit. Um, but a lot of that is because of uh, just the Cubs had problems producing last year at certain points. And I don't think Madden did a great job of setting Bryant up in spots where he was able to bring guys in. But, yeah, I mean, I will not be mad if Chris Bryant is our starting third baseman in 2020. And, uh yeah, I mean, he's a good guy. He's a great guy to have around the clubhouse. The one thing that do worry that does worry me, though, is his opinions and his status of his or his relationship with the organization. Yeah, um, I think a lot of this, a lot of this. Oh, he's mad. I think a lot of that Scott Boris in his ear chirping at him, like, "Hey, 
act like you're mad so you can get more money. I think that's a lot of it. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. I think uh, Chris Bryant again, he's an elite third baseman. I have no problems with having him as my as our third baseman for the future. Yeah, well, here's the thing with the grievance. So, for the listeners that don't understand what the grievance is, so when Chris Bryant was in AAA or when he was a very highly touted prospect, the Cubs kept him down low, kept him down in the minors long enough so they'd get an extra year of service time. It, I, Jack, I don't, I don't even know if you know this because I just found this out a couple days ago. But this grievance report has been going on for four and a half years. Did you know that? Did not know that. I when I it, uh, Barstool Carl was talking about it. It absolutely blew my mind that it took four and a half years to get this figured out. But with Chris Bryant for this season, when this year ends, because like I said earlier, you need six years of service time to be considered a free agent, right? Well, Chris Bryant, at the end of this year, if he would have won the grievance, he would have been a free agent after this year. But because he lost the grievance, he's going to finish this year with a 5.911 amount of service time. So he's going to have so he's going to have a whole nother year with the Cubbies because of it. Interesting. Interesting. Which makes him a bigger trade candidate in my opinion, but we'll talk about that later. I mean, honestly, I had no idea how the whole grievance thing worked either, so I'm glad you explained it for me. Um, did that, does that check, does that kind of strike a little fear in your mind if he wants out? Um, I mean, yes and no, because, I, first of all, I don't know that he wants out. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, a lot yeah, I don't think, I think he wants Boris. out. Yeah, I think it's Scott Boris. There's a lot of business that goes in all this shit that, that we're not going to get into because, quite frankly, I don't think any of us know that much about the business side of yeah. baseball. However, um, you know, if they're going to trade him, now's the time to do it. I've heard a lot of things with the Phillies, with the Braves, with the Rockies. The Braves would get you the best deal, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, however, I want the Cubs. If they're going to get rid of him, they need to get the right price back for him. They need to ask a high price, they, especially right now. Now, if he comes out in 2020 and shits the bed, they're not going to be able to do anything because yeah. nobody, everybody's going to be like, oh, we don't want this guy. But I think if right now is is the perfect time to trade him while his stock is still up if they're going to do it. So to answer your question, Pat, no, I'm not really scared if they get the right return for him. Yeah. So – over at third base for the White Sox, I've got Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, he was a big addition. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we've got... Uh, <laughs> Dude, you just threw me so bad right there. Uh, Dude, because I, in the notes you sent for for today, you didn't have Yo-Yo in the lineup. Yeah, I know. I, I, I kind of put Grandal oh in there twice. But, uh, yeah, so we've got Mankata obviously at third base, switch hitter who really, really turned it on at the end of the year last year. He's a lot, he's a fun player to watch. He's finally getting that development of a number one prospect that we were hoping to get. And I think that he, in the future, in the next couple of years, that he's going to be the best player in this lineup. So, this is a big development year for him. I've got him sliding in at the two spot because that's where he's most comfortable at. That's where his best Perfect statistics are. So, 
I'm excited to see what he does this Mark year. Mark my words, Yuan Mikado will be an all-star for the first time this year. I think he is going to make some insane strides in his hitting. Um, he showed it last year. He showed a lot of power. He's also a great defender. A lot of people don't talk but, about it. I know. I was actually going to point that out. But I think he is going to make some great strides in his game. I think he, him and Timmy over uh, over on that side of the, of the infield is going to be a great thing for the Sox this year. Yeah, I agree. Who doesn't love Yo-Yo? Who doesn't love him? True. True. All right. Um, so, yeah. Wrap so wrap things up with the outfield? Yeah, let's wrap things up with the outfield, starting with left field. All right, left field. So, obviously, a left fielder for the Cubs this year is going to be a Kyle Schwarber. Um, do I love it? No. But do I hate it? No. I'm kind of in the middle on it because Kyle Schwarber has made a lot of strides as a fielder. And obviously he's a guy that's going to come out and hit you your 30-plus home runs, which is, is just to the kind of player he is. He's not going to hit for average, and Cubs fans need to accept that. However, I'm not mad that he's our left fielder this year. He did not have a terrible season last year. Um, I think he hit north of 230 a little bit, which is about what you're going to get from him. I would like to see him pushing 240, 250, but you know we'll take what we can get, obviously. Um, and his fielding is just going to keep getting better so i think if you can you put him six seven in that order around you know after Contreras, Baez, and, and rizzo and those guys i think he got a little something in left field there yeah i agree i like schwarber a lot i i love his swing i love how he plays with the plate uh but like you said he's a little bit of a shaky outfielder so it's it's going to be interesting to see what he does this year you're right though he's definitely made a very big strides to his outfield play. But, uh, hey, if the DH ever becomes apparent in the NL, which it seems like it will in a couple years, he's, which the, it needs to. he's the prime guy for it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I, think, I think Brandon said it. I was going to touch on the whole uh, DH heading to the NL in a couple years. I think Kyle's always going to have the swing. He's always going to have the firepower to keep him in like, – to keep his name prominent in the MLB. Um, so when that day comes with the DHs and NL thing, the team's going to be all over. Yeah, no, I agree. Right. So, left field... Let's jump for... to... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Left field for the Sox, my bad. Yeah, left field for the Sox. We've got Eloy, who, uh, like Schwarber, except worse than Schwarber, I think, defensively. Very shaky in the outfield. But with that bet, it, he definitely makes up for it. I've got him batting in the sixth spot. It's really tough to figure out where he's going to hit really out of anybody in this lineup exactly. I feel like it depends on the kind of season that he has. Yeah, I agree. Because if he, if he comes out of the gate hot, I could see him going up to that cleanup spot. Uh, we're not really going to talk about the DH, so I guess I'll touch and do it right now. But obviously we got Encarnacion, and I have him hitting in the fourth spot. But uh, Eloy... Man, he showed he, – he struggled – didn't struggle, but he came out of the gate slow once he got called – or once he started the year last year. Then he obviously got injured. But at the end of the year last year, it seemed like every other game he was hitting a home run. So it's going to be interesting to see what – if he stays healthy, what he's going to look like a full 155, 160. Yeah, I mean, I, I really – he's – Go ahead, Pat. I think he's uh, just like Schwarber. Uh, he's always going to have the firepower. And once he gets hot, he's going to be rolling offensively. But definitely 
that's what I'm hoping the Sox are kind of focusing on this this offseason with them is the defense. Uh, Schwarber's definitely got the upper hand in terms of defense, which really isn't saying much. And it's not, I'm not talking talking bad about either of them, but just defensively they're not the best right now. And that, I know that question came up about him going to the DH. Uh, before any of these moves took place the offseason. It's not it's not going to happen. He's definitely going to be our left fielder. So I'm hoping they're really taking advantage of the time they have and building up those defensive skills. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so, yeah, so let's move over to center field for the flubs. Well, actually, first of all, have some respect. Thank you. <laughs> Second of all, um, I actually would rather go to right field really quick, Brandon. Okay, yeah, yeah let's switch it up. Fuck it. Yeah, go ahead. Question mark for the Cubs right now. Um, but what else? So, obviously, right field, Jason Hayward. Um, I'm a big Jason Hayward fan. I know not a lot of people are. And, and quite frankly, we haven't give, been given too much of a reason to be. Um, but, I, but I like Jason Hayward. I like the leadership he brings to the team. Um, obviously, he's not going to be hitting in the top five. Well, with the Cubs, you never know. But I hope he's not going to be hitting in the top five of the order. I would like to see him seven, eight, maybe if he starts getting hot, five, six, depending on where, where the Cubs are at. Um, but I like Jason Hayward. He's one of the best defenders in Major League Baseball in that outfield position. But one thing that I want to just – because I've, I've been very upset about this, and I promise I'll be quick. I am very, very upset at the fact that the Cubs did not make an attempt to re-sign Nick Castellanos. Now, I know that in the, going in the offseason, they were like, oh, we need a center fielder. Well, last year, latter half of the year, when they picked up Castellanos, Jason Hayward did just fine in center field. You're telling me that you couldn't go. You know, I know you want to stand under this luxury tax, whatever. But Castellanos, I know he wanted to come back to, to the Cubs. He liked playing for the Cubs. I think he held out for a while. To, to One of the reasons I think he held out for a while, the signs to see if the Cubs would give him some sort of offer. I think they should have offered him something, even if he didn't take it, just a courtesy offer. But I'm really, really upset about that piece. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and I'm with you with the Jason Hayward. He's a solid ball player. Obviously, hasn't lived up to the contract. But I know he kind of fucks around with his batting stance and tries to figure things out. But fielding-wise, he's one of the best in the league, and that always helps with the defense. So he, he's he got a good spot in the Cubs lineup, I think, if he's lower towards the lower part of the lineup. Yeah, trust me, you're not the only one who's upset about the Cassiano stuff. I was really hoping he'd be coming up to the south side. I but, wish he was um, just staying in Chicago, honestly. I just wanted to see him play yeah. in Chicago. Uh, and I know we touched on with Pedro Stroke that also went to the Reds that he's going to hurt. Um, I think facing Cassianos is going to hurt y'all in the in the long run. I think the Reds are very under the radar right now. I think they they made the right moves and they're definitely going to make the a statement in the NL Central this year. I hope Cassianos has an amazing year with the Reds. I really hope he does, and I hope he kills the Cubs this year just to show them, hey, you yep. let me go, and this you done me. fucked up. You done fucked you done up. Done fucked up, and they did fucked up, man. Fuck up, man. I can go on for another hour about how pissed off I am at the organization, but Brandon, right field, give it to me. Right field. Oh, I'm gonna give it to you. All right. So, batting nine, we got Nomar Mazzara. This is a very after the the top of the lineup where we got our two switch hitters, 
it's a very heavy righty lineup. So I kind of like the fact that a lefty is going to be closing it out in Nomar Mazzara, who's still under 25 years old. So, I mean, he has a very high ceiling right now. Uh, of course, we've seen his power. I mean, he fucking hit a 505-foot home run off Ronaldo Lopez last year. <laughs> a lot of pop, a lot of pop in that bat. Yeah, so I mean, having that kind of pop in the last spot of the lineup, sure, he's probably going to hit 250, maybe even below. But if we can get 20, 25 homers out of him, he plays a solid right field, I will be more than happy with that. Yeah, uh, I, I like the idea of also having, it's a very uh, heavy righty lineup. Um, I know we do have the two switch hitters in there too. But I think it is going to, you know, we're not really asking for a lot from him, honestly, in that, in that to close out the, the batting order. But just having that lefty bat in the lineup, it's it, I mean, we're not like so we're not asking for him to put up crazy numbers. Just having a lefty closed out, it's gonna it's gonna make a difference against some of the pitchers we're facing in long. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, so Jack, what do you think about Nomar? I really like Nomar Mazzara. I mean, I don't think that he's gonna be one of those guys. He's again not a guy that's gonna jump off the paper in a lineup card, but definitely a guy that'll probably hit you north of twenty five home runs, depending on how he produces early on in the season. Um, and I think that, again, he doesn't have to, with the lineup that the Sox have going into 2020, he doesn't have to be a big average guy. If he's sitting in the 8-9 hole and he's just hitting 25 bombs, I mean, can't really complain. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's hope he hits more than 20 because in his career he hasn't been able to break that threshold yet. He's been at 18 or 19 every year of his career. So hopefully this year, and especially because the sell – is a lot more hitter-friendly than Globe Life Park in uh, Texas. So hopefully, well, I think a 500-foot home run would go out in any ballpark. But <laughs> let, let, let's let's hope that he can take that stride in the power aspect of things because I think that's what a lot of people are looking for him, from him is the power aspect. So hopefully he definitely takes a step forward. So let's let's close it out with center field here, Jack. All right, last but not least, center field, big question mark for the Cubs. There's three guys that are going to be competing for it um, in this in spring training, Ian Happ, Elwood Almora, and Steven Souza Jr., um, who I want to be there. I want Ian Happ there. I like Ian Happ. He's still a young player. I think he is going to be able to develop and produce in the Cubs lineup if he is put in the correct spot. Um, again, he's not going to hit, hit – 280 to 300, but a guy, if he can come in, hit 260, 270, has a lot of pop in that bat. I like him in that spot. Elmora, he's shown flashes of being good. Again, he's an, he's a polished defender. Awesome with the glove, but just not there hitting-wise. And then Steven Souza Jr., I need to learn more about him. I need to see him play before I can really make an argument as to why he shouldn't be there, but I think a 230 average speaks for itself. Yeah, so I agree. I'd rather have Ian Happ. Uh, obviously, he's been up and down with the majors and the minors. I think he's there to stay now. I mean, if you guys don't know this, but Ian Happ is one of the best college players to ever come out of like the Midwest sector of college baseball. Went to the University of Cincinnati, and he was just an absolute stud. So... Maybe we'll see him go go into that form and be one of the top prospects. Because uh, I don't know if you, you guys know this, but Hap was taken 
either the pick before or the pick after of Carson Fulmer. So those two picks, hopefully they pan out this year for both teams. That would be nice. Damn, I didn't know that he was actually drafted Renault Carson. That's actually pretty interesting to know. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. I do think I want Ian Happ as my center fielder from the Cubs. Yeah. So, let's get into the White Sox. Not really much of a question mark here. We got Luis Robert. Uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what he does to start the year. I think after he gets – if he slumps, maybe he doesn't. It would be really nice if the White Sox actually got a player that didn't slump right out of the gate when he comes up to the majors. So, Hopefully he does good. He's an amazing defender, so it's going to be great to see him in center field. So I'm excited to see Luis Robert this year. He's he's going to be a big part of the future of this team. Agreed. He's a core. He's one of the core pieces for this team. He's the future of it. I mean, you look at him, uh, Eloy, Yo-Yo. Um, it's. And I think you hit it too. Is it's I feel it's the Sox are just notably. They always have those new guys and super hyped up for when they come to the minor or the majors, and they kind of just have a pretty slow start. So I'm hoping that's not the case because it, it definitely just always happens, never no matter what or no matter who it is. But um, I mean, I'm super stoked to see him up in the majors. Uh, there's a lot. There's always been so much hype around him. We've seen what he was able to do in the minors last year. I feel like every other night when I was on Twitter or Instagram, I'm seeing videos of. And just absolutely annihilating a ball. And I just can't wait for that to translate the majors. Yeah, I agree. Jack, what do you got about Lou Bob? I'm a really big Luis Robert fan, man. I like what the Sox are doing with him. Um, I think he should start in center field to open 2020. And um, I'm excited to see what he does. He's a young kid. He has a lot of upside, a lot of power, and great, great defensively, like you said, Brandon. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does in the majors. Yeah, so right before we wrap up, Jack, you don't have to do this, but I, I prepared this, so I'm going to say it anyways. The White Sox bench, I got Zach Collins, James McCann, Leary Garcia, and Adam Angle. I'm excited to see what Angle does this year, especially in a defensive role, because uh, it's his time to shine defensively, especially now with the White Sox contending. But now that that's out of the way, let's wrap it up. Uh, a great episode uh, talking about the White Sox and the Cubs and the outseason, or the, the season outlook. Uh, we're going to, next week, in the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about the divisions. We're going to be talking about the Bears' offseason outlook, the Bulls and Hawks and their playoff hopes. We'll see what happens there. Uh, that, But expect more things coming from us in the future. Uh, one yes, episode, sir. Yep, one episode a week from now on, so you're going to get all your stuff in one easy, quick little episode. Maybe not so quick like this week, but we're going to try to make it a little quicker. But... That's all we got, so thank you guys for listening. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So, yeah, so thank you guys for listening, and have a good one. Good first episode, boys. Adios. Looking, finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away. Bang! It's over! The Bulls win at the buzzer!
15 to the 20, breaks free to the 25, to the 30, to the 